there is no substitute for the preaching and teaching of God's Word. Each weekday on Enjoying the Journey, Scott Pauley leads us in a brief study of Scripture. Today, on the Weekend Pulpit, we are happy to share a full-length Bible message given through Scott's pulpit ministry. These messages were recorded live in a local church or gospel event in recent days. It is our prayer that the message will be a help to you today. And for a moment, just a moment, I want to show you the greatest need of our nation this morning. I'd like you to open your Bible with me to the book of Acts, would you, to Acts chapter 17. If you were in the Bible study hour, we spent a little time traveling with Paul here through Thessalonica and Berea, and finally, finally, we made our way to Athens, and that's where we find him. Look at Acts chapter 17, beginning in verse number 16. The Bible says, Now, while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him. When he saw the city wholly given to idolatry, therefore disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews and with the devout persons and in the market daily with them that met with him. Then certain philosophers of the Epicureans and of the Stoics encountered him, and some said, What will this babbler say? Others some, He seemeth to be a setter forth of strange gods because he preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection. May I just say, that's what every city needs to hear, Jesus and the resurrection. Everybody dead in sins needs to hear about a living Savior. Look at verse 19, and they took him and brought him unto Areopagus, saying, May we know what this new doctrine whereof thou speakest is, for thou bringest certain strange things to our ears. We would know, therefore, what these things mean. For all the Athenians and strangers which were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. And Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things ye are too superstitious. For as I passed by, and beheld your devotions. Stop and look at me just a minute. Did you know that's the only time in the Bible the word devotions is used? We use the word devotions for Christian people to read their Bible and pray. We use it in a positive sense. The only time in Scripture the word devotion is found in the Bible is in the negative. May I say to you, it doesn't just matter that you have religion. It matters that it's true religion. Pardon me. It doesn't matter that you believe. No, no. Whom do you believe in? I met a man in an airport not long ago, a businessman. I, I gave him a piece of gospel literature, and he said to me, Oh, Reverend, I'm a man of faith. And before I could think about it, how many of you ever said something before you thought about what you were saying? Before I could catch myself, I said to him, I said, Faith in what? And he stepped back and stunned him a little bit. And I, I said to the man, It doesn't matter just that you have faith. You could be a very sincere person of faith, Faith in what? The, the direction of the worship matters. They, they were religious people. They were sincere people. Look at it. As I beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription. Would you mark this in your Bible? To the unknown God, 
whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you. May I say this morning, welcome to Athens. Because you're living there. And we live, I think, in the greatest state in the nation and greatest part of the world. And I talked about it a little bit in the Sunday school hour. I love West Virginia. It's home to me. It doesn't matter what, where I'm at in the world. I love getting back home. But I want you to know, even in our own beloved state, we have raised an entire generation of people who know about God, but they don't know God. Do you know God? I'm not asking if you're in church today. I know the answer to that. The truth is, you could sit in church all of your life and not go know God. A few weeks ago, in a meeting, a man came forward on a Sunday morning, a fine, well-dressed man, Bible in hand. He said to the pastor at the front at the end of the meeting, he said, I've been in this church for decades. He said, I've never been born again. He said, I want to be saved. I want to know God. You, you stand in the garage? Go stand in the garage. It doesn't make you a car. And you can sit in a church building. Your whole life. That doesn't make you a Christian. I'm asking this morning, do you know God? See, here's the fascinating thing. The need of our nation collectively is also the need of every one of us individually. Everybody wants to sit around and talk about the country, the country, the country, the country. Look, good things start and evil things start, not in a country as a whole, but in individual hearts and homes. If we want something to be true in this land, it must be true first in our own lives. And I'm going to tell you the great need as I travel. People just don't know God. We're living in Athens. I wish I could say to you that the nation we've always said was a Christian nation was at this moment anchored in the truth of the Word of God. But everybody in this room knows better. If you've watched the news in the last 24 hours, you know our nation is in a mess. Why is it a mess? Because we don't know God. We have Bibles. More church buildings than you can shake a stick at. More ministers, more religious things going on, more, more radio stations and television stations talking about God than ever in the history of our nation. And yet we have fewer people that truly know God in a personal way. And I want to ask you this morning, do you really know God? Athens was an interesting place. When Paul showed up there, it was about 400 years after Socrates. <clears throat> so it was a very educated place. And people knew lots of things but they didn't know God. At this moment, at this moment, we have raised an entire generation, excuse me, of educated morons in our country. They have degrees. They've been to colleges and universities. Look, we have more knowledge at our fingertips on Google and on a mobile device than our grandparents ever imagined in a, in a thousand lifetimes. And yet, with all of that knowledge and all of that academics and all of that intellectual advancement and all of this human ingenuity, we have less of the knowledge of Almighty God than we have ever had. And I ask you this morning, do you know God? You know what Athens was? Athens was a place of idolatry. Matter of fact, look at, verse, look at verse number 16. They were wholly given to it. The words wholly given literally means they were swamped by it. They were inundated with it. They said it was the, the city of monuments. Everywhere you turn, there was another idol. And somebody said, well, that's not our country. Oh, yes, it is. They're not little gods that we bow down to. But look at what people are living their lives for, things that do not matter. 
a bigger house, a nicer car, more money in the bank account, another week's vacation, a better retirement. You fill in the blank, but I want you to know you can live for everything, but if you miss God, you've missed it all. The Bible says the knowledge of the holy is understanding. Do you know God? I was in a church a few weeks ago on a Sunday morning at a great meeting. Husband and wife seated about three or four rows back, and the woman got into conviction, came to be saved. It was wonderful. Her husband did not get saved. We've been praying for his salvation. He stood there weeping, knowing he needed God. We left the meeting, and that night I came back, and the pastor said to me, he said, the most amazing thing happened this afternoon. He said, there was a woman in the meeting who's been in this church for years. She called me this afternoon, and she said, preacher, I need to tell you something. I got saved this morning. And he said, well, you didn't come forward. She said, no, but I got saved this morning. He said, but you've been in this church all these years. She said, I know it, but I got saved this morning. He said, well, you're going to have to explain this to me. And she said, I was sitting in that meeting, and the preacher just kind of remark, made a casual remark as he passed by that everybody has to have their own experience with God. And she said, it dawned on me. I was baptized, and I had a good family, and I was a church member, and I knew all about God. But she said, I never really had my own experience with God. And she said, this morning from my heart, I called out to the Lord and said, Lord, I want you to be my Savior. And she said, I had to reflect on it a little bit and get home and settle some things, but I just called to tell you, I got saved this morning. I'm going to tell you what happened. She crossed a great divide. She crossed the threshold from knowing about God to actually knowing God. Look, he's not another idol you live your life for and have nothing in the end. He is the one true and living God, and every man, woman, and boy and girl must come to know God for themselves. In Athens, it was a place of philosophy. Sound familiar? Sound like our world? Look at verse number 18. There were these philosophers. On one hand, you had the Epicureans, and on the other hand, you had the Stoics. You want to talk about two really different groups. The Epicureans, the Epicureans, they were, they were atheists. They believed there is no God, <clears throat> and they lived for pleasure. Their whole motto was, whatever makes us feel good. Represents a whole philosophy in our world, doesn't it? Swing to the other end of the spectrum. My grandpa Gave me a little pendulum years ago. I still have it. You know, swings back and forth. Swing all the way to the other end of the spectrum. You know what you have on the other end? The Stoics. Somebody said, what were they like? What do they sound like? Now, they were not atheists. They were pantheists. They believed God was everywhere and everything is God. They were real spiritual people, you know, just wasn't the Spirit of God. Sound familiar? So on one hand, you have atheists. On the other hand, you have pantheists. On one hand, you had people that lived for pleasure. On the other hand, you had people that dotted their I's and crossed their T's and tried to do everything just right. They were very stoic people. But here's the problem. Neither one of them knew God. And I don't know who I'm preaching to this morning. You may be the most religious person in this room. You may know more Bible than you can, than you can shake a stick at. But I want you to know if you don't know God... You may be a stoic, but if you don't know God, you're missing the whole thing. Perhaps you're an Epicurean. You're living for you and pleasure and what you can get out of life. That's its own philosophy. But I want you to know without God, there is no true and lasting joy. I ask again, do you know God? And Athens? Athens was a place of novelty. Look at verse number 21. Even the princes in this part, they spend all their time just to tell her here's some new thing. That's our world right now. Everybody's looking for some new thing. Listen to me. We don't need a new thing. We need a return to the eternal truth of Almighty God. That's what we need. 
And in a world filled with idolatry and philosophy and novelty, Paul shows up and says, could I just tell you about God? I'm going to read his sermon to you. You ready? You can tell somebody I preached another man's sermon this morning because it's not mine. Somebody said, you're going to read the whole sermon? Well, relax because it's not long. He was a short preacher. Follow along. Look at Acts 17, verse number 24. <laughs> What's the first word of his sermon, church? I'm sorry I didn't hear you. Acts 17, 24. What's the first word? God. How many of you think that's a pretty good place to start? You want to know God? All right, let's talk about God. Matter of fact, Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created. So that's where he begins. That's where Paul begins. Look at verse 24. God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he's Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things. You want to know God? You must know God as your creator. You know how you got here? God put you here. You're not here by an accident, by a big bang, by some flip of the cosmic coin. You're here because the creator God of the universe shaped and molded Adam and Eve with his own hands and breathed into their nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. We preachers, we get pretty artistic, you know, but creation and we talk about he flung the stars in space and he carved out the rivers with his pinky and that's actually not what he did read genesis again he just spoke you want to know about my god i'm gonna tell you how powerful god is god just one day said light and there was light and it was very good Every evil thing in this world you can follow back upstream to the watershed of man's sin and rebellion against a perfect God. But every good thing in this world, you follow it back to its original source. It all started with God. Every good and every perfect gift cometh down from above from the Father of lights in whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. My God is the creator God of the universe. And he holds all of it in the palm of his hand. He's the sustainer. Keep reading. Look at verse Number 26, he's made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth and have determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. Do you know the most equal thing on earth? Everybody's talking about equality right now. I'm going to tell you the most equal thing on earth, the gospel. Everybody look at your neighbor. You're not allowed to look at me just a second. Would you turn, stare at the person sitting next to you? If you sat next to the wrong person, that's your fault, not mine. Look at them just a second, would you please? How many of you think the person next to you is different from you? Would you raise your hand? Yes. Anybody glad you're different from them? That's a bad question, isn't it? But may I say, look please, the God who made us all and made us unique and different and special in his sight has at the same time made us all the same. You know what we all need? We all need God. I don't care what your skin color is. I don't care what your background is, what you've done or what you haven't done, what you know or what you don't know. Everybody in this room, everybody in this town, everybody in our nation needs one thing. Everybody needs to know the God of the Bible. Keep reading. Look at verse 27. That they should seek the Lord. It happily they might feel after him and find him. I love this. Though he be not far from every one of us. Look, I got good, good news for you this morning. God's not a million miles away sitting somewhere uh, detached from this world. God is very near. He's as close as your very breath. I'm not being spooky or mystical. I'm just telling you the spiritual reality. 
The God who made us is near to us at this moment. Why is that? Because God wants us to know him. Look at verse 28. For in him we live and move and have our being. As certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Everybody take a breath, would you? Isn't that nice? Let's take another one just for fun, all right? That breath is God's gift to you. You have the ability to be in this meeting today. I watched some of our brethren here, some of them struggling to move around. And I'm reminded of their sacrifice. But I want you to know God's gift is that all of us are moving today because he let us move. I don't know how much health you got, but you had enough health to be here this morning. Who do you think gave you that health? God did, and he wants you to know him. Well, you know, we, we live taking a whole lot for granted until it's too late to think about it. Don't wait to the end. Look at verse number 29. For as much then as we're the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like unto gold or silver or stone, graven by art and man's device. God's not like man, and God's not like things, and God's not like stuff. God is God. I love that word, the Godhead. People talk about the Trinity. I hear people sometimes say, I'm not sure about the, the Trinity because the word's not in the Bible. Well, here's the Bible word. You want the Bible word for Trinity? The Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, one God expressed in three persons, co-equal, co-existent, co-eternal, and that one true and living God who is the creator of all things and the sustainer of their very breath in your body at this moment wants you to know him. Do you know God? There's a second thing. Look at verse number 30. The times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Because he hath appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained. We know that man is the God-man, the perfect man, the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's go to the other end of the spectrum. This is fascinating. It's almost like Paul in his sermon moves all the way from Genesis to Revelation. So tell somebody today, the preacher preached the whole Bible today, all the way from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. God is the creator, but God wants you to know he's not just the creator, he's the judge. Of him and through him and to him are all things, Paul said. Can I tell you where it's all going someday? Would you look me in the eye and hear me with your heart? We're all going to meet God. This has been a great day. I've enjoyed being here. I'm honored to get to be here on this day, and it's been a great meeting. But you've never been to a meeting like the meeting we're all going to. On some Lord's day, we shall all stand before God. Whew, that's thought-provoking to me. Someday every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Someday everybody is going to kneel at the nail-pierced feet of Jesus Christ and the only thing that's going to matter on that day is you, did you really know him? Because the God who created the world, who's the origin of all, is also the object of all. We're all coming to God. People say, what's this world coming to? I'll tell you what it's coming to. It's coming to Jesus and the only thing that's going to matter is this. Do you really know him? That's why God says, repent, my friend. You ever wonder why Jesus hadn't come back? I hear people saying that, you know. Wonder why Jesus hadn't come back. There's a Bible answer. Peter said it. 
Peter said there's only one reason why Jesus has not yet come back. He is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The window's closing, but God has given in his mercy and grace and long-suffering. Oh, what a patient Savior we have. A little time for people to repent and to believe. I wonder, has that happened in your life? How about your loved ones? How about your neighbor and your co-worker and your schoolmate and the guy on your ball team? How about, your, how about your closest friends? Do they really know God? I'm telling you, I'm not trying to give you a sermon today. I'm sharing with you not just my heart or Paul's heart, but God's heart. What is God's heart? He wants all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Oh, we live in Athens, a world that doesn't know God. But there is a God in heaven who says, I want you to know me. And so he gives us the world as his testimony every day. He gives us the Holy Spirit to convict us of sin. He gives us the word as his written testimony. He put it down in black and white. And then if that were not enough, he sent his own son into this world to die for our sins. What more do we want? God wants to be known. One final thing, and I'll stop. Look at verse Number 31, the end of the verse, speaking of the man that will judge us someday, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men in that. Would you mark this in your Bible? He hath raised him from the dead. Please don't miss this. God not only wants you to know him as creator, God not only wants you to know him as judge, but here's how you really get, come to know him. God wants you to know him as Savior. I hear people talking about the man upstairs. And I hear people nearing death, and they say things like, well, you know, I've made my peace with God, I think. I want to tell you today on the authority of the Word of God, there's only one way you can be right with the Creator, and there's only one way you can be ready to meet the judge, and that is you have to know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior. And friends, there's a whole lot of junk I don't know, and there's some stuff I'm glad I don't know, but there's one thing I want to be sure I know. I want to know that my sins have been forgiven and my name has been written down in the Lamb's book of life in heaven. I want to know that I have eternal life. Make your calling and election sure. Some of you have lived with question marks long enough. Jesus can take that question mark, straighten it out, and make an exclamation point out of it. Drive a stake a mile deep in the ground today about your soul's salvation. You be very sure you know God. Because in the end, that's the only thing that matters. I travel every week, fly most weeks, and it becomes kind of old hat. People said, somebody said to me recently, you must really love to travel. And I laughed and said, you haven't done much of it then. It gets old. Another airport, another hotel, another place away from home. I'm not traveling for that. I'm traveling because I want people to know God. I didn't come here today because I need some place to go. I want you to know God. I want your family to know God. I want this community to know God. Do you know him? Wednesday morning, I finished preaching in Louisiana this week. <laughs> Went to the airport. Supposed to preach in Delaware Wednesday night. Flights got all messed up and delayed, and I said to the preacher, that's not going to happen. It was a Bible conference. I said, I have somebody else preach. I, I can preach twice Thursday if you want me to do that. And so that's what we agreed to do. And I landed in Charlotte late and took off running and found my gate. Looked up at the marquee and it said, Wilmington. I'm going to Delaware. Wilmington. I got on. Found my seat, sat down. Businessman, actually from West Virginia, was seated next to me. 
That was fascinating. He was a be- not just a believer. He found out I was a preacher, and he said to me, could I ask you to pray for something? I said, certainly. He said, would you pray for the man I just got off the last flight with? His name's Thomas. I said, sure. I said, how can I pray for him? And he said, I talked to him the whole flight. He said, he's not a Christian. He said, but I got to give him the gospel. <laughs> that encouraged me. We taxied down the runway and took off. And I said, where are you headed to? He said, I'm meeting my family at the beach. I said, that's good. I was working on a sermon. I literally, I had my Bible out and was working. The pilot comes on. He said, short flight today, ladies and gentlemen, 32 minutes. And I said, hold up just a second. It's a longer flight from Charlotte to Wilmington, Delaware than 32 minutes. What kind of jet are we on today? There's a flight attendant there, and I turned, and I said, where are we going? <clears throat> she said, Wilmington. I said, which Wilmington? She said, Wilmington, North Carolina. And I'm thinking to myself, I mean, I'm on hundreds of flights every year, and I thought, how did this happen? And I started looking. Do you know what the airport code for Wilmington, Delaware is? Wilmington, Delaware, only somebody in government could have come up with this. Wilmington, Delaware is I-L-G. Wilmington, North Carolina is I-L-M. I had a sick feeling, Pastor, in my stomach. I got off the flight in Wilmington, North Carolina. Airport shut down. Nobody there. No hotel room. No place to go. And I'm standing there, and all of a sudden, I start laughing. I just couldn't help myself. I've never done it before. I've never had that happen to me in all these years. I ended up in the wrong city in a different state. In a hurry. Thought I knew. Missed it. And I tell you, I think one of the saddest things that's ever going to happen in this world is going to be people who hurry through this life and think they know God. And they're going to get to the end and realize they end up at the wrong place because they didn't truly know Him. If this Bible message has been used of God in your life, or we can pray for you in some definite way, please contact us at enjoyingthejourney.org. We hope you will share the message with others who may also be encouraged by it. For additional full-length Bible messages, please visit Dr. Scott Pauley's YouTube channel. Tomorrow is the Lord's Day, and we want to encourage you to be faithful to attend a Bible-preaching church in your area this Sunday. Thank you for listening to The Weekend Pulpit. And don't miss Enjoying the Journey daily devotional podcast each Monday through Friday.